Hey guys! Welcome back to Serial Sunday. I think this is the eighth episode. Yeah, the eighth episode, I think. Um, I've posted about this episode a couple of times because this guy freak show. Legit freak show. Like, has anybody else ever watched American Horror Story? You know, the season about, like, the season called Freak Show? This guy is way weirder than any of that. Way weird. Like, I know all serial killers are weird, and all of them are, like, and just do weird things, you know? This one? Wow. Everything I read about this guy, I just kept being like, dude, you good? No. Not good. Not good at all. But, before we get into this, I do want to preface this by saying that this episode will get weird. Very weird. We'll talk about a lot of blood and just gory things, kind of. I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it a little bit PG, but this one, it's going to be hard with this guy. Um, there will be mentions of necrophilia, so if that freaks anybody out or you don't really want to listen to it, I feel you, I get that. But this episode's going to be weird, so brace yourself. So I had somebody recommend me, I think it was Haley Asher, I think, I can't remember. So many people have messaged me and told me to do this guy or this guy or this guy or this girl or whoever. So I get, I get it mixed up like who tells me what to do or who tells me who to do. That sounded bad. Anyway, um, but I'm pretty sure it was Haley Asher who recommended this guy to me. Um, so his name was Richard Chase and like I said, total freak show. Um, they called him the Vampire of Sacramento for good reason. Weirdo. So, he was born Richard Trenton Chase on May 23rd, 1950 in Sacramento, California. He, as a young child, he exhibited all, like, he exhibited evidence of all three um, parts of the McDonald triad. Uh, bedwetting, animal torture, fire setting, all that stuff. So... Like I said in the last episode, I believe it was, that I'm not really sure I, like, I get into the whole McDonald triad theory. Not really sure if I believe in all that, but they've, they've seemed to prove it on multiple occasions, so we'll go with it. Um, but he was, some reports said he was abused by his mother, some said he was abused by his father, so I'm not really sure which one did the abusing, or both of them did, but he was abused by one or the other of his parents. Um, and then once he became a teen, he became a alcoholic, like crazy alcoholic and, um, heavy drug user. So, you know, and then as he got older, as he matured into adulthood, he became like a severe hypochondriac. He would complain that his heart would occasionally just stop beating randomly and that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. Not going to be honest with you. Not really sure what that is. I know it, so it sounds important, so it's got to be important, but I don't really know what that is. I don't know anything about human anatomy, really, to be honest. But anyway, um, he also believed that his parents were trying to poison him with like in his food or in his drinks and stuff. So he eventually moved out. Um, I did find one report that said that his father actually kicked him out, but he either moved out or he was kicked out. One of the two, which no, by how this guy acted. He probably got kicked out. 
So he eventually moved into an apartment with some roommates. Um, I think there was like two or two or three roommates, maybe. Um, his roommates got super tired of him super quickly. He would drink all the time, smoke marijuana, um, do acid, like all kinds of stuff. So they were like over his crap real quick. Um, he would also walk around the house completely naked. No regard for anybody being there, guests, his roommate, any his roommates, anyone. Like, he did not care who was there. He would just walk around in his birthday suit. You know, you do your boo-boo. <laughs> um, so his roommates at one point actually tried to throw him out, but he refused to leave. And so they just ended up moving out instead. They were like, all right, dude, see ya. You can have this place yourself. I'm out. Um... So he's now alone in this apartment and he began capturing, torturing, and killing animals. He would also disembowel them and then he would eat them raw. He also, I told you it's going to get weird. He would also, he had like a little blender and he would put the blood and organs of the animals into said blender and mix it with Coca-Cola. Why Coca-Cola? I have no idea. Maybe that was his soda of choice. But he would put all of this stuff into a blender, blend it up, and he would make smoothies out of it. I don't know. He supposedly believed that by ingesting the creatures that he was killing, it was preventing his heart from shrinking. Nah, dude, you're just weird. So... He had a brief stint in a psychiatric ward in 1973 when he was 23 years old. And then in 1976, he was involuntarily admitted to a mental hospital because he was taken to the ER because he had injected rabbit's blood into his veins. Now, I'm not really 100% sure what happens if you inject other blood into your veins, but I'm sure it can't be good. But he did it. So, I mean, you know, you know whatever. Um, the staff actually nicknamed him Dracula because of his fascination and fixation with blood and at one point i'm not sure how but maybe there was a window open in his room or something i'm not entirely sure but two birds flew into the institution he caught them and then proceeded to trigger warning rip their heads off and drink their blood dude you good no, he not good. Then he would also steal syringes from like the nurses, hospital staff, whatever. And he would like draw blood from like the therapy dogs that they had around the institution and drink that. Dude, get it together. Um, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Hello, we knew something was wrong with him. But after going a series of treatments and psychotropic drugs he was deemed sane and he was deemed no longer a danger to society <laughs> well you were wrong sweetie so after being released from the psych psychiatric ward his parents put him up in an apartment but his weird behavior just kept getting weirder he began capturing animals and he would torture them to death then he would drink their blood and make a smoothie whatever the heck he would do he would also do this to neighbors pets like, he would steal their pets and then do this. He even called a neighbor at one point and was like, Hey, yo, I picked up your dog Sparky, killed it, and then drank its blood. Hope you're good with that. 
Who would be good with that? No one. I would be like, no. <laughs> but anyway, he became fascinated with firearms as well, and he actually purchased several handguns, and he began practicing using them obsessively. Like, dude, you need to chill. He also began losing interest in caring for himself. He completely ne neglected his personal hygiene. He didn't shower, didn't brush his teeth, didn't comb his hair, didn't do nothing. He didn't care. He also stopped eating and he actually dropped a significant amount of weight. I think at one point he weighed like 140 pounds or something, which I can't remember how tall he was, but it was severely underweight for his height and build. Like he should have weighed a lot more than that. He was also fascinated with the Hillside Strangler, which if you don't know who the Hillside Strangler is, it's actually two people technically. Um, the Hillside Strangler is Kenneth Bianchi and his cousin Angelo Buono, 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 probably sure I pronounce his last name, but anyway. Um, he believed that they were both influenced by the same, he believed that they were both influenced to kill people by the same thing that was influencing him. So one day in 1977, this is, this is weird. He showed up at his mother's house with a dead cat and threw said dead cat into her face, like just at her. And he then proceeded, he like the cat's laying on the ground, right? He proceeded to rip the cat open with his hands, like rip its stomach open and covered his face and himself in the blood from this cat. Like, dude, you're sick. And his mother supposedly didn't report the incident like, they didn't find this out until they were questioning, like, friends and family who knew him, whatever, during the, the trial, during the investigation, whatever. That's when they figured this all out. Um, and then on August 3rd of 1977, this was later on, um, Nevada State Police actually found his car in, like, a sand drift near uh, Pyramid Lake, Nevada. And inside the car were two rifles, a pile of clothes, and a bucket full of blood and a cow's liver. Like, this sounds like Satan-worshipping crap, dude. Get it together. Get it together, sweetie. We have a show tomorrow. <laughs> um, they found, they actually found Chase naked and screaming in the sand, covered head to toe in blood, and he claimed that the blood was his own, and it was actually, like, seeping out of his flesh, not of his body. I, I'm telling you, this guy's just nutso. So he killed his first victim. His name was Ambrose Griffin. He was a 51-year-old engineer, and he was a family man. He was a father of two children. Um, that was on December 27th of 1978. Um, Griffin was actually outside helping his wife carrying groceries, and Chase just drove by and shot him. Like, no big deal. He stated later on that this was just a warm-up for the crimes he was planning on committing. So then from January 22nd to January 27th of 1979, he murdered five more victims. On January 23rd, he broke into Teresa Wallen's home and shot her three times. She was actually three months pregnant at the time. And then, trigger warning, necrophilia. He then proceeded to have sexual relations with her corpse. And then proceeded to stab her with a butcher knife. And he actually made like a small slit in the back of her neck and like drank her blood psycho then he removed a bunch of her organs again drank her blood and then this this is bad this is bad trigger warning he cut off her nipples 
And I'm not really sure what he did with them, but I know that he cut them off. Not sure what that was for. But then he actually filled a bucket of her blood, poured it into the bathtub in this woman's house, and then bathed in it. Dude. Mm. Weirdo. So then, the big murder. On January 27th, he entered the home of Evelyn Moroth. Moroth, I'm not really sure how you pronounce her last name, but she was 38 years old at the time. She was babysitting her 22-year-old, or her 22-month-old nephew, David, and her six-year-old son was there too. His name was Jason. And then her neighbor had come over um, to check up on her and stuff, and his name was Dan Meredith. When Chase entered the home, Dan was the first person that Chase came into contact with. Um, he shot him in the head at point-blank range with a 22 caliber handgun. He then stole Dan's wallet and car keys. And then when he found Jason, he found Jason in Jason's mother's room, in Evelyn's room. He was hiding. He shot him in the head twice at point-blank range. He then proceeded to the bathroom where Evelyn was. I guess she was taking a bath. I'm not sure. Um, and, oh, wait, before that. <laughs> sorry. Before that, he also shot David, the 22-month-old nephew of Evelyn's. Um, then he proceeded to the bathroom where Evelyn was. He shot her in the head. Then he dragged her to the bedroom where, again, he engaged in necrophilia. Then stabbed her multiple times and drank her blood as well. So, a visitor came and knocked on the door and that freaked Richard out. Like, he was like, nah, I'm out, bro. So, he stole um, Dan Meredith's car. And he even took the little, like, the 22-month-old... 20 nephew took his body with him for whatever reason i don't think i want to know but that visitor that came to the house alerted the police and at the crime scene like when they got there to investigate the crime scene he left shoe prints fingerprints dna like he just he didn't even care what they found he was just crazy and they found fingerprints shoe prints dna all kinds of stuff at the crime scene so it wasn't really that hard to track him down. He was arrested pretty quickly after that. So when police searched him, like his person, um, they found Dan's wallet on him, obviously. And then they also found the .22 caliber handgun that was used at every single murder. When they searched his, ho his house, this gets weird. When they searched his house, the floor, the walls, the ceiling, all of his like cups, plates, Everything, silverware, everything he used around his house was literally soaked in blood. Dude, you good? Creepy. And then inside his refrigerator, they found several organs, either from humans, animals, both, whatever, wrapped in tinfoil. Like he was, you know, a little to-go bag, a little doggy bag, to-go bag. I'm just saving this for later creep and then they found jars full of blood they also found his blender that he made his little smoothies in and on the counter in the kitchen they found like a bunch of like diagrams like laid out that like displayed human anatomy human biology all that stuff like this guy was weird so in 1979 he stood trial for six counts of murder and in order to avoid the death penalty his defense kind of tried to put together a uh, strategy and they argued that it was second degree murder because they weren't 
planned. They weren't premeditated. Um, so that way he wouldn't, he would just receive a life sentence and not a death sentence. Um, and the case hinged on the fact that Chase had a history of mental illness and that the murders were, again, not premeditated. So, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. Not that it hasn't been interesting the whole time, but this gets good. So, on May 8th, 1979, the jury found Richard Chase guilty of six counts of first-degree murder, rejecting the argument completely that he was not guilty by reason of insanity. They were like, but I mean, how they didn't find this guy, like, insane? kind of confuses me because like I don't I don't know this guy was clearly insane but whatever um so they sentenced him to death but before his death date he did agree to do some interviews with an FBI agent his name was Robert Ressler and during those interviews he talked about why he killed and certain beliefs he had those beliefs included that he had a fear of Nazis and UFOs aliens he claimed that it was not his fault that he had to kill people and that he was forced to kill to keep himself alive. He believed that the Nazis and UFOs were out to get him and if he killed and if he drank the blood of his victims, ate their organs, etc., it would make him somehow invisible to the Nazis and the UFOs. You do you, boo-boo. <laughs> so anyway, he also believed that the prison guards were in cahoots with the Nazis and that they were trying to kill him by poisoning his food so he wouldn't eat. And he actually legitimately had like a handful of macaroni in his pocket that he handed to the FBI agent. Like, just here you go, here's a handful of macaroni. <laughs> what? Handed this guy a handful of macaroni and said that the prison guards were trying to poison him with his in his food. I told you everything I read about this guy. I was just like, what's, what's going on up here? So the other inmates were also very scared of him because of the brutal and just weird nature of his crimes. They were actually scared of him. They actually tried to persuade him on multiple occasions to um, commit suicide because all of them were too scared to attempt to kill him. Which, I mean, the Nazis might come get you. I don't know. But, however, on December 26, 1980, he was 30 years old. He was found dead in his cell. And they actually did an autopsy on his body. And the autopsy actually showed that he overdosed on antidepressants that he was actually prescribed to take because they did diagnose him as a paranoid schizophrenic. So he was prescribed to take those once a day, but had not been taking, had not been actually taking them, hadn't been swallowing them. He had just been saving them and he overdosed on those and took those all at once. So yeah, that was a fun one for you. That was Richard Chase. Shoot, I'm late. Dustin, you can go back and rewatch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was Richard Chase. That was a fun one, let me tell you. I, like I said, every time, everything I just, I read about this guy, I was just like, like, don't get me wrong. I've read about some weird serial killers or just killers in general. Like, I've read about some weird ones. But this dude, just, 
He's at the top. Like, dude. I've got no explanation. I've got no explanation other than the fact that this guy was just a freaking freak show. That's all I got. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, like I said, I have several more recommendations that I got. Um, so I will be continuing to do those so that you guys can hear about the ones that you guys wanted to hear about. Um, and then I did just, I did post something on my story, um, today. So go watch, go look at my story and comment on that. I asked um, how many people would want to see like Serial Sunday merch. I've kind of, I kind of have designed a couple of things. I put them in the story, but I just kind of wanted to see like who would be interested in some sort of like merch for Serial Sunday if it kind of takes off a little bit. I don't know. It's just an idea. I have lots of ideas in my head. <laughs> But let me know if you would like to see any type of merch. Um, I have like stickers, t-shirts, keychains, stuff like that. Just stuff like that in mind um, that I've thought about. But yeah, go look at my story and let me know if that would be something that you would want to see in the future. Um, but anyway, I hope you guys had a great weekend. And I hope you guys have a fantastic Sunday night and have a fantastic week. And I'll see you on the next episode of Serial Sunday.